I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about Brady, you know, one of the winningest quarterbacks of NFL history, and you know, I was thinking about him. He was picked 199th in the draft, and nobody saw him coming. And as I talk about relationships and love and the difference between what society says about it and what God says about it, listen, when you go God's way and you go a kingdom mentality in relationships and in love, the devil won't even see you coming. And where you started, I feel like this is a word from God for somebody, where you started is not where you have to end. And what happened to you when you were a kid is not going to define how far you go in this lifetime because God chose you. I feel like my mom is in on this, but I feel like everybody else needs to help me preach. I said, God chose you for some reason. You didn't choose you. You're not even sure why your wife chose you, but God chose you. Hey, next week we're going to have a fun Valentine's Day party. You got to come. There may or may not be a Ducati in the house. There may or may not be my Ducati in the house. We're going to have a fun Valentine's Day party. Guys, it counts as husband points. I'm telling you right now, it'll be romantic. Just get your date to church. It's going to be powerful. Hey, listen, what if everything that we assume about love in our society right now, at this time, 2021, what if everything that you hear from society, or, or the Bible calls it the world, what if everything that we're hearing from there, what if there are some assumptions based in, in, in that, that we base the building up of a, of a house of friendship and love and connection and relationships, even at work. You know, I'm going to be talking a bit today about marriage, obviously, but I'm going to be talking next week too, but I'm going to be talking also just about the basis of friendship and love. What if everything that society is telling you, what if you, you assumed that that's the way that we needed to build, but because you can't really help but assume it, you know, nobody makes a sitcom of a normal, healthy family. It's boring. <laughs> nobody wants to see mom and dad making out. It's disgusting. <laughs> Normal, healthy marriage and family. It's, you just don't make sitcoms out of it. Because sitcoms, you know, we start watching 11 seasons of a new sitcom and it's hilarious. Uh, Netflix, oh my goodness. The great destroyer of time. But you know, all the funny things that they tell lies and then they get caught and then they run all these weird little stories and scenarios that only happen if you tell a whole bunch of lies about things. Well, it makes for good TV, but it doesn't make for a good life. And, and when you start assuming, you start building up a, a family, say you start a family with the wrong assumptions, what 2020 did, because it was a heavy year, you build up this high and all of a sudden the foundation starts to crack because your foundation, what you assumed it should be built on, is wrong. And 2020 doesn't have to be a curse, it can be a blessing because God's like, hey, why don't we just stabilize some stuff? Why don't we take some stuff down? <laughs> the West Wing needs to fall down because it's built on a wrong foundation. Once I build it though, here's what God is saying to somebody. Once I build it, God is saying, I can, I can once we get the foundation right, I can build the rest of the building. That, that doesn't take a lot of energy for God. You gotta get the foundation right. And um, my, I had a boss one time, I was a third year electrical apprentice and I went to work for him. And um, he asked me like, so what do you think about this? And I said, well, I would assume that it was done. Thanks, Sean, by the way, I forgot about you. You can just leave if you get mad. He goes, I said, I, well, I assume that it would be wired this way. And he said, assume. You know, you know what they say about the word assume? And I'm like, no. Anybody come from industry? He takes his electrical Sharpie out of his pocket. And he walks over to a two by four and he writes on there the word assume. Can you all spell? 
And he goes, well, the trouble when you assume is that you make in. The venue kids are gone. <laughs> you make a donkey out of you and out of me. He goes, don't ever assume anything when you're working for this company. Don't ever assume anything was done right in the first place. You got to know. But you and I, what happens is, is that society was telling us the world tells us a certain thing about love and relationships and friendship and family and parenting and kids and teenage. The world tells us this whole thing and we build it on this assumption that this is how it works. But what if the assumptions that we built everything on were wrong and God has to fix the foundation and the assumptions because it says that, that you can't, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. But we've built our lives and our relationships and our whole inherent thinking about how relationships work in the world. We're not supposed to. We have a higher. When God gets in there, God can. Just give me a minute. Here are some relational assumptions that we make. Love is not results oriented. Love is not supposed to be results oriented. It's supposed to be love. Man, we have a song. Let me throw up in my mouth a little bit. We have a song. We don't need results. We got a song. Uh, how about this one? A relational assumption. Conflict is bad. What if it's not? What if God is in some of your conflict? Hmm. Um, here's, here's an assumption. What if we, what makes me feel disconnected today couldn't possibly result in connection tomorrow? Like, no, no. If it feels bad today, it can't be good tomorrow. What makes me feel disconnected today can't possibly. What if today's correction is tomorrow's connection? And that rhymes. What if today's correction is tomorrow's connection? How about this? Being led is limiting. I just shouldn't follow. If I follow somebody, if I do what, if I do what I'm told, if I, then it's going to limit me and it makes me weak. What if it's the only path to destiny. Um, how about the sin goes away if you ignore it? Like I'm just going to be super nice for a few days and sin will go away. No, we're going to learn today that sin builds walls. Well, you got to take the walls down. Um, how about this? I can be self-sufficient. Good luck with that. How, how about this one? The cause of stress in my life is the other person. And if they would just get their crap together. Yeah, well, that's what the devil's telling them to. And that's what they think. Here's a, a, a let's base this series on this idea. The great temptation in modern relationships is short term results. The great temptation in modern relationships is short term results. The greater temptation is not being results oriented at all. So we enter life and relationships and friendships and even work relationships with this like club dating mentality of like, hey, if I'm not happy every moment of every day, that's on you. And if you can't do that, then I'll just go and be with somebody that can. I'll go and work for a company over here that can. I'll trade my kids for <laughs> kids who can. You know, it's like a dating mentality as if it's the other person's job to make you happy. Well, that's a problem because God says that happiness comes from him. You know, I think that, that when you enter like a marriage relationship, sometimes you hand the other person like a giant rock called make me happy. Like here, carry this around. 
then every time you're not happy, you're like, um, you're the one holding my box of dreams. And God's like, well, why don't you, I got bigger hands. <laughs> um, it's a wonder some of us are still married. Speaking about, <laughs> speaking about tiny hands. I was, <laughs> anybody know Karen Edwards? Okay. So, so Aaron and Karen, well, when they were dating, um, you know, if anybody's gone to a movie with, with, uh, Edwards and I go on bro dates sometimes to go watch movies where guys get shot. And the only crying is like, oh, no, please don't. <laughs> good character development, you know. I love a good character plot. No, I just like when the bad guys get shot. That's a, that's a great movie. The, sometimes we'll go, he always gets like a giant thing of popcorn and a giant pop, right? And so, so when he was dating Karen way back in the day, and Karen's like little, and um, you know those giant pops at the movie theaters? You know, I don't have like super tiny hands, but I always like go for two, right? Well, Karen reached a little, they're dating and they're watching a movie and she reaches a little pterodactyl hand over, <laughs> right? A little T-Rex hand over with one hand and grabs it and dumps the whole 14 gallons in Aaron's lap. Just, It's a long movie, guys. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonder some of us are still, are still married. I mean, uh, Aaron and I, one of the first things that we did was a friend of mine had some great tickets to a Stamps game. And so we went to watch the Stampeders play, you know. Aaron just found out recently that she wasn't my first phone call. It's not like I was keeping a secret. I just like, she goes, you called my friend Robin first? I'm like, she seemed nice. She was mad for a little bit. That the, and she's like, she was too tall for you anyways. It wouldn't have worked out. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And now she raises rabbits. And God bless her, but I don't want to raise rabbits. And it's this idea, this, like, so the way that some of us start. Listen, the way that you start doesn't have to be the way that you finish. On, on any sort of relationship. You know, I'm kind of talking about marriage right now. But the, but the I mean, like, you want to hear, like, probably the worst the worst story, well, not the worst story of our marriage, but like the funniest story of our marriage, which was the worst thing at the time. Okay, so our honeymoon, we fly into Halifax. We're going on a trip to Halifax. We fly into Halifax. This was before you could like book things on your phone. And so I got to the airport and I start calling ahead for hotel rooms, right? And it's our honeymoon. Have I been there yet? It's our honeymoon. And, and that day in Halifax, because the devil got there first, that day there was 30 some conferences in Halifax that day and I couldn't find a hotel room. And so I, I finally found in Dartmouth, and I'll never go back there, I finally found like a Super 8 or a, now young men, a, ho, a hotel for a honeymoon shouldn't have a, a number in it. And I call up and they're like, well, the hotel is, is booked, but we'll, we can open the haunted wing up for you. It's been condemned, but we can open it up if you really need a room. I'm like, well, I guess we do. So we go into this place. There's no bedding. I had to go get bedding. There's a hole in the floor, Aaron said. There was a, like a cat door <laughs> in the hallway. I don't think Aaron even went into the bathroom the whole time. We slept, guys, honeymoon with our clothes on. <laughs> and we are 20 plus years marriage vets. There is a God in heaven. We did two tours in Iran and we did two tours in hell in our marriage. I got my arm shot off. They grew back. God has been good. 
I mean, at first you, you, you start a relationship, you know, you have a friend and you start, it's all because of, because of like, Hey, we have the same, we like this. We, you know, we vote for the same. We, 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 it's because of, right. And I had an aunt that said when she found out that we were engaged, she said, well, at first you get married because of some things, but she said, Dean and I are still married in spite of a whole lot of things. And I feel like you got to get the in spite of's out of the way. You got to deal with the in spite of so that, but that's not really what society is telling us about relationships. They just keep looking for the because of's, but they'll get lost in the in spite of's unless there is God in your relationship, you know, or the worst thing, which I, I think is maybe even worse is it's you just coexisting, which this is called coexisting sarcastically because you shouldn't coexist with people and just like kind of settling for a non like a non-friendship friendship. friendship. Something's not going anywhere. Something's not doing anything. I don't want you to just keep a family together if you're not going anywhere for God, if you're not doing anything in the world. What's the point of that? And so I I don't want you to, if you're married, I don't want you to have like, I just don't want you to have a marriage. I want you to have a great marriage. God doesn't want you to just have a kid. He wants you to have like a kid who loves God greatly, you know? Not Not a friend just to have one, but a friend that's like doing something together for the, going to your destiny you know, bearing fruit in the world, doing something amazing. Um, you know, sometimes we think that, that here, here's something that we learned early on. There's no marriage problems. It's always a shock when we marriage counsel people. I'm like, there's no marriage problem. There's only single people problems. This is like a revelation. Single people get married. That's where the problems are. And, um, and all the devil is trying to do is to get you worked up about the other person's problems as if that's the only problem. And um, maybe you haven't figured it out yet, but you can't fix somebody else. Very confusing for guys to get married because we're fixers. You know? My wife, like early on one time, she started telling me about this thing. She's like, well, my friend, and she tell me all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, do this. She's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, do this. She's like, I don't want to do that either. I'm like, what do you want? You don't want to be fixed. She goes, I just want you to listen. You don't know how emotionally hurtful that was to me. I'm just like, can I, can I listen and watch TV at the same time? Because if you don't really need feedback, let me just, if you could just, mm-hmm. You have to learn how to get, listen, guys have to learn, like we go to work and we can get daily results there, but then we come home and kids take a long time and and marriage is super confusing because they change the rules all the time. You know, the electrical code never changed all that often, but I come home and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I walked into something, I walked into an unexpected and I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like I'm competent here, but I'm incompetent here. And what do I do? You know, I have, I live in a house with five women. I had zero sisters. Talk around our dinner table was, how was school? Mm. Ryan? Mm. Food. Very simple conversations. Not complicated. We complicated now. Listen, conflict God's way. We have this, this idea that conflict is a bad thing. What if conflict is God's thing? What if conflict is the path to growth and connection tomorrow? Because everybody's got like icebergs, but everybody also has undeveloped destiny. What if conflict brings that out? Um, See, conflict happens mostly over sin. 
And, um, and you have to sit down at some point in every relationship and be like, hey, there's enough sin in my life. There's enough selfishness that could bury this whole thing. No matter what the other person does, when I came to this point in my marriage, I'll tell you, that was a, not a fun day. I sat there and as messed up as she was, I had to sit down there and be like, I am going to blow this thing up. And I maybe already did. There's enough in me. When I talk to divorce couples, you know, that all the devil has to do is just get you mad at the other person and blame everything on them. But when I talk to a divorce person years later, who's like, and then the Holy Spirit showed me my part in it. Oh, it's such a humbling experience, but I'll tell you, it's good. Conflict brings these things out because what sin does is sin builds a wall between you. You can't be nice and, and pretend the wall is not there forever because sooner or later the communication and, you know, the wall has to come down. Now, now you should forgive the other person before they say they're sorry. That's a biblical concept. You know, some, some people, if you wait to forgive your dad, he's not even on the earth anymore. You can forgive somebody who doesn't want it. You, you don't want to drink poison forever, do you? So forgive and let it go. But if they want to receive it, see, sin builds a wall. But what has to happen in every argument, you ready? Here's something we learned in marriage. This is not fun to do, especially if you're not used to it. Every argument that you have, you actually have to go through there. Now, everybody should forgive everybody else immediately. But you actually have to go through your, your bricks in the wall called sin and say you're sorry. And you got to stop calling mistakes sin. Yeah. Or, sorry, sin mistakes. Because you're not really a mistaker, are you? Like when I was a kid, I shot a, a BB gun in my backyard and hit a can and broke my neighbor's window. That was a mistake. I didn't know that it could go from here across the street. But it did. Now, Dad didn't even punish me for that. Because, you know, kids are kids. and It's not like I was shooting and the window was right there. I'll tell you, if I'd have done it the next day... Now we're talking about sin. Now it's the wrath of God and an Old Testament dad. You know, but you're not seven years old. You're not like just exploring everything. You got mad and freaked out and threw something. Now, this is how we apologize about things. So the bricks in the wall, we don't, we don't even apologize about the actual bricks in the wall. We're just like, hey, I'm sorry you took it that way. Meaning like, oh, you're extremely immature, Nicole. I'm sorry that you took that. You're like, you threw a brick at me. There was only one way to take it, you know? We don't apologize. So, so you actually have to go through every argument that you have and go back and just be like, I said this and I'm sorry. I was being mean. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Listen, young people, if you don't want to do that, don't get married. You can have lots of practice. You actually have to go through it and actually remove that. Well, you know what? Conflict is where that happens. What if you started seeing conflict as God's ability to bring greater connection? You're like, well, no, but see, it hurts so much. And like, God can heal. What do you think resurrection comes from? Death. Yeah. Well, you mean we could be closer after betrayal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually mean that. Because God can do anything. God can resurrect anything. That's, right. That's good. You don't like conflict? How about patterns in your life? Look, if there's patterns over and over again, and you know that they're there, you just keep watching them. You fight about the same thing every day, you know, with your friend. You just like, tomorrow is going to be the same argument as it was yesterday. Just fill in the blank with something new. There's a spiritual stronghold at play. But the thing about spiritual um, strongholds and patterns is that you don't see them and you don't know how to deal with them. And even if you could see them, you wouldn't have the strength or the, here's what I would say, spiritual authority to. Some things are passed to you like legitimately enough and they're not fun things from your family line. 
yeah, you know, like depression or divorce sometimes or, you know, abuse and addictions. They get passed to you and the devil's had a stronghold in there. Well, you're in the family of God because there are, are people with authority in the family of God to deal with those strongholds. But I'm going to warn you, like before that happens, they're not going to, you know, if God wants me to deal with like a stronghold on Renee's life, she's going to have to give up like the story that keeps it there. And, and people that God gives to you to help set you free, they won't put up with your little addict story. Like, well, it's not really a problem. You know, well, if it's not a problem, then we shouldn't pray about it. We'll just pray about it. I'm not going to pray about something that you don't think is a problem. Some people want me to do that. Hey, pastor, pray for me. And I'm like, is it a problem? Well, no, I'm sorry that you took it that way. Do you want me to pray to dumb Jesus? No, I, for real. Or is it sin? It's something wrong, you know? Okay. Listen. And I want to push your buttons a little bit because conflict is good. And I'm an eight on the Enneagram, and that's how I connect with people. I connect through conflict. I love it. I love a good fight. Hey, watch this. Watch what the Holy Spirit showed me. Society thinks love is agreement. Watch whichever side of COVID... Watch how each side was playing the game. No, if you love me, you'll agree with me. And if you don't, your heart is full of hate and you want people to die. Like of this or of that, right? So the word hate was tossed around a lot. Because we think in society that love is agreement. Uh, my dad talked to... Um, a young married couple and said, how do you guys make decisions in your marriage? Let's talk about marriage. Can I talk about marriage? How do you make decisions in your marriage? Well, he said, we talk until we agree. And dad's like, okay, but then, then what happens when you can't? And he blinked. Well, we talk until we agree. Well, yeah. Dad's like, yeah, but what happens if you have to make a decision and you don't agree? You know, do you just not, you just don't make a decision agreement. If, you ha if love is only agreement and you can only walk beside somebody that you agree with, <laughs> you're only going to see, I you're going to surround yourself with people who see the world just like you see it. And you're going to have these horrible, gaping weaknesses and wounds that are going to just leave a path of destruction behind you because you only see the world a certain way. <laughs> it's this idea that I can't walk with you unless I agree with you. Well, what about diversity? No, see, there's this thought in, in the kingdom of God that unity begins where agreement ends. So, so think about this. What if, that's why you keep getting a new job everywhere, because you think that the boss has to agree with you. I, I can do things on a job site that I disagree with. Okay. You know what keeps, you know what brings unity? Walking to the same mission together then I can walk with you. I don't have to agree about everything. I don't have to see the world the same way. In fact, your diversity can be a great thing in my life. My wife and I, man, we were like opposites. Like we're the samies a little, but like super opposites in some things. And so what we do in marriage is like, well, we have to agree about everything. Oh my goodness, no. A, it's impossible. Like if you haven't figured that out yet, anybody who's married is like, yeah, what do you, you have to decide before you get there who makes that call. That's why in Venue Church, we have a very strong structure. It's like, well, that team lead makes the call. Somebody's name has got to be in a box. Somebody got to be responsible. Now, biblically in marriage, 
this is what the Bible says, that God, when he comes knocking on the door to find out who broke that family, <laughs> or if it's doing well, he comes, we believe in our family that God, he's not, in the judgment, it's not going to be Aaron, it's going to be me. That's why the devil tried to take out a whole generation of men, which is like a horrible, scary thing for me, because <laughs> my name is in a box, and God's going to be like, hey, how did you take care of everything? Did you steward everything that I gave you, or uh, did you mess it up? How are your kids doing? Do they love me? So, you know, in the church, you know, he's not coming to you, Caplet, and be like, hey, the, you messed the church up. He's like, no, you just messed up. You're part of the church. I'm just kidding. No, he's like, that's what responsibility and leadership is, is that somebody's name has got to be in a box and make decisions, and if it doesn't go right, you've got to fix it, right? Now, having said that, like, yeah, in a church, I could make a decision and be like, no, we need to swap that around. We need to do this. I would have the right to overrule, but I'll tell you what's even better is, is sometimes I have to because there's something that the Holy Spirit whispers to me or I have more information. But you know what's even better than that is getting you on board and training you up in your gift because you bring something that I can't bring over there. And we, I, so we said last night to some of the team, I'm like, thank you, youth leaders, for giving to my kids what I couldn't give them. I am so grateful to God for you that you filled in all these gaps and you made them more mature and you brought this roundedness and this amazingness to them that wasn't going to come from us. I am so grateful for you. And look, the diversity was supposed to be, we can have unity in diversity if we're going to the same place. In fact, you can only get to the same place if you celebrate that. Who has the right to make a decision? This is hard in a marriage because you know what you fight about? Control. Just do what I want you to do, Aaron. Every single time. Well, what if God gave her the gift for that? There are some decisions I'm out like a 7%er in. And she's like a 90%er in. You can be proud and be 7% right. If that's what you want. And vice versa. Here's an assumption in society. Every voice matters equally. It's a d democratic idea. Every voice matters equally. It's the same weight in every voice. Um, what happens when every voice matters equally is that you start getting really bad results with everything because that doesn't work in business. It doesn't work in family. And, you know, like, look, if I, need, I, I needed a plumber the other day, so Josh came over to my house. When I need a plumber, all my experience in the electrical trade doesn't help me. I can be like, push him out of the way and be like, I got this. He's like, why am I here? You know what? I kind of needed him. And when I'm with him, I'm the apprentice. Yeah. If I have a plumbing problem, it's this idea that every voice matters equally. No, every person has equal value in the sight of God, just like his children do. But he gave gifts to some. And he gave gifts to some, and the gifts are different. And in that situation, you need the person with the gift. Right? And we start treating relationships as democracies. Churchill said this of democracy. Many forms of governments have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all those others <laughs> that we tried. But we come into the kingdom of God as if democracy is this God-given thing. You know what? Then you come into a kingdom of God with a benevolent dictator that will make things work out for you and give you salvation in heaven in the end and save people on the earth from the power of the devil. And we come in with this democratic thing of like, every voice matters equally. Go ahead, devil. Speak. God is another voice over here. COVID is all of this over here on my screen. 
and every voice matters equally. No, 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 no. That's not diversity. That's not the gift at, at work. Are you starting to see? You're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. This is what the world says right now. Like every voice matters equally. No, it doesn't. Your relationships need to be results oriented. You'd be like, but pastor, you know, you mean the ends justifies the means? No, never. You can't get the ends of God by the means of the devil. Not in God's kingdom, but it's this idea of God's like, I'm looking for results in this relationship. You want fruit. That's the result. This is what you got to do. Um, you, you know what democracy in, in, a, in a battle looks like? Somebody tosses a grenade over here and instead of one commander yelling, run! People are like, I don't know, is that a grenade? Spin around. I feel like that's a grenade. One guy jumps for it because he knows it's a grenade. This guy over here doesn't see it and he's like, they're just making all this up. Well, democracy and war, look, when you come to Christ, there's a devil that's been trying to hurt you and kill you and get you wrapped up in sin. You are in a war. Now, if you want to get shot in the face, try to be democratic about everything. Try to tell God what you think all the time when he's just like, run, flee temptation. You're like, no, I'm strong. James, uh, the brother of Jesus, writes this. Um, I don't have many scriptures, but they're powerful. How many people know that being a brother of Jesus would be its own deal? You know, my little brother was the perfect one. I always make fun of my mom because I'm like, oh yeah, he was so special. No, my brother's great. But you imagine James being the brother of Jesus. It's funny that Jesus' brothers weren't listed as his disciples. In fact, the, the main thinking around that is that they weren't even following him until after his resurrection. Yeah. Like, what would it take your brother to convince you that he was the son of God? <laughs> <laughs> like, why can't you be more like Jesus? You know, like they were like, I hate Jesus. I mean, come on. You think that if you were married to Jesus, that it would be great. You messed that up too. He's like, what's causing, look at this. He would have been fighting with Jesus. What, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? He's like, I know you think it's the other person. I know you think it's happening out here. What's causing it? He says, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Right. He's saying the reason that you're, that all this conflict is happening is because you're losing a war right here. You're, you're, you think it's them, but it, it's right here. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Well, you don't kill, but you kill them with your words or your thoughts. You, sometimes you put people in a box and take them out in your brain every now and again just to beat them up a little bit. Like, yeah, stupid. And put them back in the box. I'll see you later. <laughs> you're jealous of what others have, and you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them, yet you don't have what you want. Ready? Because you don't ask God for it. You know why? Because you're asking the other person for it. Make me happy. Make me happy, Aaron. Make me happy, kids. God's like, happiness is mine. Why do you ask me for all these things? Well, fulfill me. Here's my box of dreams. Help me. God's like, with those little pterodactyl hands? And she did the same to me. Hey, make me feel this way. Don't ever leave me. Don't ever. God's like, hey, why don't you come to me to get these things? You don't have them because you're asking the wrong person for them. They can't. They can't be God. They can just be the best version of them, but that's still nothing like God. 
And even when you ask, you don't get because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. So he said to me, like, yeah, I'm here on this earth to be loved. Well, that's a problem. Because Jesus didn't come to this earth to be loved. If he did, you screwed that up. He came to love. That's why you're here. To love. You'll never find your purpose till you help somebody find their purpose. Then he says, you want what will give you pleasure? What about what will give somebody else pleasure and connect them? Even when you ask, you don't get. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, because you're not listening. If you want to be a friend of the world, he goes, I tried it. You make yourself an enemy of God. You can do a relationship the world's way. You can do it God's way. One works and the other doesn't. Pick one. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful, not to you, but to him. You're trying to get everybody to be faithful to you. That's not, wait till Valentine's message. I'm going to be talking about how do we do marriage God's way? My main goal in marriage can't be for her to love me. It's for her to love Jesus. When she does that, she'll love me better. It's a secret. I want her to love and honor God more than anything else in this world. It can't be about me. Come on, ladies, get your men here. Be like, I'm going to church on Sunday. You can give me breakfast in bed, but I'm going to church because you need to be there. He says, as, and he, God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm going to end the scripture there. There's something you need to understand. It says, God opposes the cr- proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you're proud and it's about you, God will set himself opposed to you. Because if you win, the devil wins. And he wants to win because then he can take care of the other person. He can take care of you. Listen, God gives grace to the humble. What is the word grace? Grace is like, um, it's like oil in a gearbox. You think about how much conflict you have at work and the fires that always get started because of the friction of the conflict. Conflict with grace gets work done. When a motor is turning and trying to run a belt and move, when there's oil in the machine, which is the grace of God, but God only gives it to humble people. And then, and then James says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. You know what you and I spend our lives doing? Trying to humble the other person. He's like, look, if everybody in your life eventually irritates you, you're proud and you don't have any grace. Because God's like, I give grace to humble people and you'll have grace for your spouse. You'll have grace for your kids. It doesn't mean you let everything go, but you'll have grace for them. There's this, there's this oil in the machine. Do you know that when the oil is right, when the grace is right, you can punch above your weight class. A tiny motor can, we're trying to get the motor upsized. God's like, there's nothing wrong with the motor. It's the friction. He goes, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he said, I can pour oil into the machine and your marriage will make it the distance. Your family will make it the distance. Your friendship will make it the distance. Your spiritual life will make it the difference, the distance. The devil loves it when you fight people around you because it stops you from fighting the war within you. Here's a quote that I came across in a book. Every army that doesn't have an enemy to fight turns on its own population. I don't know, historically, I think that's probably largely true, but you've got to think about this. The Bible describes you in the kingdom as a soldier. You are made to fight. Listen, if you're not fighting the devil for the people around you, He'll get you fighting people around you. And you'll lose the war within you.
King David, his biggest sin in his life was what it says, when the spring of the year, when kings went to war, he stayed home and he got into temptation and he killed one of his best guys. Why? When kings go to war, and God is saying to some of you, go to war. But instead of going to war for you to win, go to war for the people around you to win.